Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. Uh, Romans 8 and verse 37. Oh, I'm looking at there. I got it written down. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So, Father, we just thank you for your word. God, we just are so thankful for who you are in our lives, all you've provided, God, that we are more than conquerors. And, God, we just ask your blessing upon this message. Anoint us as we, as we speak it. Anoint uh, those as they hear it, God. And, Lord, it would just produce much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we want to talk to you today on the thought of destined to win. And uh, we talk a lot about uh, growing in Christ, and we talk a lot about during that process celebrating the, the progress as we all are growing in Christ. And, and, uh, in, and so, and even lately, uh, when we spoke together, and just me, myself, we've been talking a lot about uh, expecting God to do amazing things, even while we're going through crisis situations or we're going through circumstances that we might not like. And, and we talk about how we don't need to lose sight of God's promises uh, because of the problems that we're facing. And, and even uh, two weeks ago, I had us all say that, you know, my future is as bright as the goodness and promises of God. And uh, that's true. And so that's what God has wanted to talk about this. And actually, uh, Heather... When, I, we were, when we were talking earlier this week, uh, I had told her, uh, you remember the does anybody remember the song Destined to Win? Sing it for us. I'm not going to sing it. Does anybody? I saw a couple nods, yeah. And I told Heather, I was like, well, you know that song. No. That's, where, that's why I think I got this, I come up with this title from, was from that song. And she, she's like, uh, no, I've never heard this song. I was like, well, I pulled the song up and was playing it for her and sang it for her. <laughs> but... Uh, I actually, uh, Jill, did you sing this song with me? Sing Was it you? And so you know how they have teen talent. Do they still have junior talent? Yes. They had. They do. Okay. So uh, it must have been junior talent. I sung this song with my cousin Melinda, and I texted her the song the other night. Now it's been over a week, and I asked her, "Hey, do you did didn't we sing this song?" She still hasn't texted me back. So. Sometimes she does that. Sometimes she takes me back these messages about how she misses me and all this other stuff. And sometimes I text her and two or three weeks goes by and then I'll get one of those, oh, I just saw this text messages no, back from her. because you and Michelle so. are cut from the same cloth. She knew if she said yes, you would say something like, oh, you want to sing it with me again? And, and the, I don't, don't sing, I don't sing anymore, so that wouldn't have happened. But, but uh, it's a really good song. It's just so 80s. You, gotta, you need to check it out with all the keyboards in it we and stuff. It's I, I would sing it, but I might crack because I'm I would get nervous and or start okay, laughing in the I middle did that of it. Like but five times this morning, it's okay. Crack away. 
So, no, I can't. I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. So it's a good song, though. But so we want to talk about being destined to win because God has an unbelievable destiny for us. And every person in here, we are all winners. If we will choose to be, we're winners. And so what we're believing, we're believing that there are going to be fresh breakthroughs and, and fresh revelation for people and fresh anointings that come out in, in people's lives and through people uh, in this room today as we continue to go after God and we continue to understand who we are in Christ and, as we, and even as we all go through the difficult situations of life. And we want to be ready and we want you to be ready to experience all that God has in store. So speaking of someone who had experienced amazing revelation, breakthroughs, fresh anointing, we want to talk about David. Monty sang about it this morning. While you're reading the story of David in First and Second Samuel, you'll read about him being anointed king three different times. That's in 1 Samuel 16, 2 Samuel 2, and 2 Samuel 5. That details all of these times. You see, David understood the importance of having a fresh anointing. I think sometimes we forget that. Um, we've talked before when we've spoken about honoring the past, being thankful for the past, and because we have an amazing heritage, it's good to remember those things. And we all have that amazing heritage as a part of the family of God. My testimony is yours. Your testimony is mine. This is all a part of our testimony and our inheritance. But we cannot win today's battle on yesterday's anointing. Can't we all remember an experience that we had with the Lord? Um, some of us, it may have been a while. We need a fresh anointing for today, what we're experiencing today. We have to have that fresh anointing because without the anointing, we're just trying to do things on our own. And that's super exhausting. <laughs> have you ever been exhausted because you're trying to do something on your own? I mean, I, I can't be the only one. That happens to me so often. And I have to remind myself, you're tired, and it's your own fault. And doing it on our own won't get us to our destiny. It'll get us down the road a little bit, but it won't get us to the destiny that the Lord has for us. And that's the reason that things can get stale, and we feel like we're just enduring instead of thriving. And our Father wants his children to thrive. He doesn't want to just see us endure. I mean, it is important to endure, but we're supposed to thrive. Whether that be in our church, our jobs, our relationships. Sometimes we just think about anointing happening within the walls of the church, but we need a fresh anointing over our marriages, over our relationship with our children, over our jobs, our careers. It's so important. Now, the three times David was anointed, he was anointed for the same exact thing, to reign as king. It was not anything different. It was to reign as king. So you would think, I mean, they did a good job anointing people back then. One time should be enough. But he had it done three times. And not only was he receiving a fresh anointing, it was also stirring up the anointing he was already walking under. Sometimes we have to stir that up. Just, just remind ourselves to hope again, right? Kind of like we did this morning, stir it up. And sometimes as we begin to stir up the anointing God has placed upon our lives, that's when fresh anointing comes. Stir it up and then something fresh will come. And it always feels so good when we feel that fresh stirring, right, of Holy Spirit. And during the time that we might be going through crises, it's important we do not pray defeated prayers. I feel like sometimes we just want, kind of like when I complain to Aaron, I just want him to know how bad I have it. <laughs> like, it's been a really bad day. I want him to understand how bad it is. And I think sometimes we pray the same way. 
Lord, you have no clue what I'm going through. Lord, I am just so disheartened because my child hasn't come back to you. Lord, I am just so tired of being sick. All of those things may be true, but we cannot pray defeated prayers. We have to pray, Lord, my child is not with you, but I believe they will be coming back. Lord, you know I'm tired because I'm sick, but I believe you're still a healer. Praying prayers like that builds your faith, stirs up that anointing that you're walking under right now, and just maybe that fresh anointing will come through praying that way. We should be telling God in our prayer times, we need a fresh anointing in marriage, career, our thought life, our churches, our businesses, and even in our country. Yeah, I'm going to... Especially our country. I'm going to go ahead and tell you this sermon, we don't really have any points, okay? Because I was telling Heather last night, I was at a, we were at a conference, well, training this weekend. We've gone for, uh, this is the third one, but the one yesterday was on uh, praise and worship and preaching. And uh, I told her, because she was gone for a lot of it, because she's always... Because I don't need to learn more about preaching. And uh, he was talking (laughs) about uh, what we need is people to start making a lot of, making sure you have points to your message again. And that's what I told her. I said, man, we're not doing anything he said we need to do tomorrow. But, uh, but, uh, but we still, we'll at least give you, the, like we always say, something to think about with it. That's our famous saying uh, when we start talking. But, but uh, sometimes there only needs to be one point to a message. I agree. I'm not I'm trying, to, trying to overrule the guy. He's a lot smarter than me and a whole lot more successful. And our but point is we're destined to win. There you go. But, but, uh, but I do want to give you a key this morning because we believe that one of the keys to being able to walk in the fresh anointing that God has for us is to walk in forgiveness. We have to walk in forgiveness. And so I want to read a a scripture to you that uh, was very interesting to me a a couple of weeks ago. And this is in Luke chapter 17. And uh, this is verses 1 through 5. It says, Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So... This scripture, it's kind of interesting when you start to look at it because, one, if you see here, Jesus said if he sins against you seven times in a day and then says, I repent, you shall forgive him. Not it would be nice or it's up to you. You have to do it. You have to forgive him. And and this is the most interesting part to me because You know, so many times people are just looking for this big spiritual uh, revelation that they can, you know, uh, that they can apply to their lives. And one of the biggest ones is forgive. Because here is where the disciples, I, I never thought about this. I always knew it was in the Bible. You know, I knew there was this time when the disciples said, you know, Lord, increase our faith. You all knew that was in there somewhere, right? But did you ever think of where it was at? 
He tells them, hey, look, you're going to have to forgive people. Oh, God, increase my faith. <laughs> not when he fed the multitude, not when he walked on water, not when he healed the sick, not when he raised the dead, not when he cleansed the lepers. That's not when they said it. They saw all those miracles. They didn't say, wow, you just brought that guy back from the dead. Lord, increase my faith. But when he said, hey, you're going to have to forgive people when they do something bad to you. Oh, God, you're going to have to increase my faith if I'm going to do that. I'm, hey, send me out to go heal the sick and cast out some demons. But if you want me to forgive people, I'm going to need a little more faith for that. And I can totally relate to that. Yeah, too. I, I'm sure you can, too. It, it's not easy to forgive people, especially when something has happened over and over and over. You know, you know the old saying, uh, pee on me once, shame on you. Pee on me twice, shame on me. That's usually the philosophy most of us take. I didn't realize it was pee this whole time. I thought it was fool me once. No, oh, I well, I learned, I, learned that on, I learned that on the construction site. Pee on me none. I learned, uh, I learned that on the construction site, and it was a lot worse than that. Well, I clean. I cleaned that up from the job site, actually, a whole lot. But you still get the point. Thank you for just blowing that out of the water for me. <laughs> but I'm going to forgive you this time. But, but, you know, we take that, oh, okay, well, it happened one time, we'll forgive. But if it ha I'm not going to let it happen again, though. And that's the way we view things. See, there are a lot of people who are holding on to unforgiveness, and it's affecting us. It's not just affecting you. It's affecting the body of Christ. It's affecting the church. And it seems like everyone these days is mad at somebody. I don't know anyone right now that's not mad at somebody because... Even if everything else is going well, everybody in here is mad at the government about something. I don't care who you voted for, who you plan on voting for, what political party you're affiliated with. You're still, you're the, there's something I can bring up. If I bring up enough topics, you're mad at the government about it. We're all mad. And I'm not saying we don't need to be involved in those things, but we have to let some of those things go and focus on God and what he's doing. Jesus said this and. In Matthew 5, eight, is anybody here not mad at the government about something? Completely satisfied and happy with everything they're doing? That's what I, that's what I, what I figure. <laughs> Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, the word pure here in this scripture, uh, in the original language, is where we get the word catharsis from. Now, if you're like me, you never use that word. But that word means cleansing, releasing, uh, purifying. And even though we don't use that word very much, most of us do know what a catheter is. Or when on you. <laughs> I should have never, I should have stuck to the notes and never said that. But anyways, we know what a catheter is. And many times when someone's having, uh, they're really sick or they're having a major surgery, a catheter's put in. And it's put in so that they don't have to get up out of the bed to go to the, to the restroom. And it drains out all the toxins uh, and all the waste from the bladder uh, in the body. And it's important. If you've ever uh, been around someone after a surgery or something and they couldn't go uh, urinate and use the restroom, uh, it'd kill them. Uh, Heather's grandfather, um, not, not Carl, but her other grandfather was... Uh, had a, I think it was a back surgery or something he had done, and uh, he couldn't go. And I think they were they were telling him if you don't go, we're gonna have to put in a catheter. And she was there, and he he was he had the shakes. He he was about to, his body was about to 
shut down on him, I guess, from it because all those toxins are staying in your, in your body. And so here's the thing about every person in here. You can eat the healthiest food that's around and you can drink the healthiest drinks there are to around the, the most pure water that there is. And it doesn't matter. You're still going to have toxins and waste that's created in your body that has to get gone. It has to pass through. And that's the thing. It's not a big deal that those toxins are there as long as they go through. It becomes a big deal and it becomes very alarming when those toxins are not released. If these things just pass through, we're totally healthy. If they're not allowed to be flushed out, you will die. You can't, your body can't take it. And see, that's the way it is with things in life. Jesus knew that we were going to go through things. He knew that things were going to just happen because of life, things that we're going to face. He even told us what? In this life, we would have tribulation. He told us we would go through, through trials. So what he's saying is here that, that we can be blessed and we can experience an amazing relationship with God if we will just stay in the habit of letting go of certain things. If we'll stay in the habit of emptying out those things that are toxins, those things that will affect and actually infect our relationship with God. See, we have to let go of guilt and we have to let go of worry and we have to let go of shame and doubt and we especially have to let go of bitterness and unforgiveness. We would probably all be amazed at how much healthier, how much better we would all feel if we weren't carrying around those things that we should have let go of a long time ago. And he brought up my grandpa with that. Um, and I, I have, you know how you have vivid memories? Well, I vividly remember him in the hospital room <laughs> because he, that's all he could talk about, that he had to pee. That's all he could think about, that he had to go to the bathroom. And so he thought he was getting ready to be able to go pee. And so he gets up. And you know how those hospital gowns tie in the back? He gets up and rushes to the bathroom. I see his full, like, full on, hiney, everything, right? So I said, Grandpa, I can see your butt. And he said, I don't care. And then he goes to the bathroom. The reason that he didn't care was because he had to go so bad. That's all he could think about. And that's what unforgiveness does. We keep going back to that same thing. We can't let it go. Because we, I mean, and, and it's crazy how much that that happens is that have you ever had a hard time letting something go that you just could not wrap your mind around forgiving that person or that situation? That's how unforgiveness gets. It's all consuming and we have to be able to let it go. And somehow that brings us back to David. <laughs> we believe that David was, was pure in heart. We know the Bible tells us that he was a man after God's own heart. And uh, sometimes that's hard for us to even grasp because we know what he did. And uh, I was reading in, uh, I think it was uh, maybe Kings, yeah, First Kings the other week. And it was even when God was talking to Solomon, he was saying, you know, that if, if you'll be pure in heart like your father David or, or good in heart, whatever it was, and and I even thought it when it said, man, that's just amazing that he would say that about David with all the, the stuff that he did. And so I've often wondered what makes David a man after God's own heart? What is it? What is it? Because we know he wasn't perfect. We all know that. Was it the way that he worshipped? Was it 
uh, was it his courage, the way he would just go into battle? And I really didn't, I couldn't get an answer. And then I ended up taking this course, and uh, it was about, about David. And the guy proposed this, this thought, because you can't say for certain. But he said, could it be that David was a man after God's own heart because David had such a forgiving heart? And I started to think about the story of David. And if you study the story of David, it's actually amazing some of the people he showed forgiveness to. Now, he didn't mind killing people either. He was all, he was all right with that part of it. But some of the people that you would have thought he would have, he's going to kill this guy. And he forgave them. Some of these people you thought, oh, man, because, you know, he, he, he was so quick to just pass judgment on some issues. And then other things you think, why would David allow that to happen and say, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, we're going to let it go. Don't kill him. Don't do anything to him. Don't harm him. He was really willing to even even being left out when uh, uh, Jesse had all of them there with Samuel. And he doesn't, doesn't even invite David to have a chance to be anointed as a boy. All these different things. He's always so ready to forgive. He never met a person he wasn't willing to forgive. Now, doesn't that sound a lot like the father? Maybe that's what it was. But see, God forgave all of us with the horrible things that we've done. He continues to forgive when he knows the horrible things we might still do. That's the way that we should be. We need to be people of forgiveness if we want to be people of victory. And when we talk about forgiveness, it's really hard not to talk about Jacob and Esau. And you don't probably think too much about it till you really realize what's happening. And you know how in the Bible it talks about how Jacob, Esau, uh, Jacob wrestles with the angel, right? The angel of the Lord we believe to be Jesus. He's wrestling with him, and then he touches his hip, and that encounter changes everything, right? His name changes, everything changes. So in the very next chapter is when Jacob encounters Esau again after all these years. Now remember, Jacob and Esau were brothers. Esau was the oldest one, and Jacob figured out some way to steal Esau's inheritance, his birthright. And that was a serious big deal. That, changed, that changes and alters your whole life to get the inheritance as the firstborn. And then Jacob figured out a way to take that. So he's encountering Esau after all of these years. And the Bible says that Esau runs to him. He hugs him. He kisses him. Yes, which is a sign of forgiveness back in that time. I mean, it's kind of a sign right now, you know, it is. But he encounters that forgiveness, and then Jacob says that he saw Esau's face, and it was as the face of God in that moment. Remember, just the chapter right before, Jacob had just wrestled with the angel of the Lord that we believe to be the Lord. He encountered what the face of God looks like. So... I'd like to propose to you, does the face of God look like forgiveness? Is that why when Jacob saw Esau and he encountered that forgiveness from him, he said, your face is as the face of God because he showed him forgiveness in that moment. So does that mean that when we show forgiveness to those people who have hurt us, um, just those difficult situations we've been through, when we show forgiveness, do we look like the Father? And then, if we don't, who do we look like? If forgiveness looks like the Father, what does unforgiveness look like? 
That's how serious forgiveness is because we believe to show forgiveness is when we look like the Lord, when we look like our Father, and that's His nature. And if it's His nature, it needs to be ours. We're destined to win. That's true. But we're not going to get there holding on to unforgiveness. We're holding so tightly to these things that we just don't know what we would be without them because we've held on to unforgiveness for so long. But remember, the pain of letting go is less than the pain of holding on and missing our destiny. It's not worth it. Holding on to unforgiveness is not worth it. And Aaron and I, we've talked about things ourselves. We've discussed things um, because we've been through some stuff too. You know, we've had some people hurt us. And believe it or not, not everybody likes me. Uh, And if they don't like him, they don't like me. Some people really don't like me, actually. But we've chosen to look at those things in our past or those experiences we've gone through, those things that have caused anger or hurt or frustration, and try to see the good that's come from it. I mean, because honestly, most of our growth happens when we go through stuff. I mean, is that not true? Growth is so uncomfortable, and oftentimes growth happens whenever we get in a mess because of someone else and figure a way through it. And that's that's how good our God is, that he turns all of those things for our good. You can also probably think about the people in your lives who you don't know the good coming from it yet. You're kind of in the middle of it still, and you're struggling to see the good that's going to come from the situation, but we have to believe in those moments. That's just going to be a piece of the puzzle, and when we see the bigger picture, it's all going to make sense. I always go back. I try to go back to what Aaron says, is that you cannot trade what you know to be true for something you don't understand. We know God is a healer, but we don't understand why we're not healed yet. You know, I mean, there's things like that, but we cannot trade the truth of he's a healer for the part that we don't understand. And those situations and those struggles and that tribulation that we're going through, don't trade the truth that you know that he is good for that part you don't understand. And part of that is transforming our thinking We have to transform the way that we think and view these situations because our lives will follow our thoughts. In Ephesians 4.23, it says, Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on a new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. See, in order to put on that new nature, we have to allow our thought life and our thinking to be transformed. You can't put on the new nature and still think the old way. That's not the way it's going to work. It's kind of like putting on, trying to put on new clothes when you haven't bathed yet. I mean, you just stink. You might look better, but you still stink. <laughs> so we have to transform our thinking because we want to be like him, righteous and holy. <laughs> so it's like, that's funny. You stink. Um, but when you think about things in a negative way or an incorrect way, month after month, year after year, it can sometimes seem impossible to change. Sometimes that impossibility is kind of hard to get past. And you might say things like, well, this is just the way that I am, or this is just how my mind works. But it is possible to change it. So we have to think of our thoughts like, you know, and the way we react to things like flowing water. And it's like Heather said, it may seem difficult or even impossible to change 
when you've thought things a certain way your whole life or for a, for a, a long time because when water starts flowing it's hard to change that but that's because every time that we've chosen to have that type of reaction or that type of thought life it's like digging out a, a riverbed that's causing the water to flow a certain way and uh, you know you're not going to stop the water but you can decide how it's going to flow and some of us um, we've chosen to keep digging that riverbed out the same way it's been going for years. We've dug it, we've been stubborn, stubborn and we've dug it deep and we've dug it wide. And uh, so it seems even more difficult, but we can still change it with God's help. Yeah. So we need to focus on the Word of God and begin to see things God's way one thought at a time, just one step at a time. And when we do that, we'll, we'll, we will actually begin to redirect the flow of that water. We, we will change. It's not going to mean you're never going to go through anything bad or that no one's ever going to hurt your feelings again, but you can redirect the flow of what's happening in your life. Yeah. And it may not look like you're doing much to start with, but we just need to continue moving forward, moving forward in faith and expecting the good things of God. And pretty soon what will happen is we'll have a positive river flowing where there used to be a negative river. We'll, we'll start to lose the victim mentality and and we'll actually start to see ourselves as conquerors and victors and, and the ones who can walk in the victory in every situation that we face. Um, years, uh, years ago, because Stephen and Hannah were pretty small, um, we, we went on a vacation to the mountains. And I took Heather and the kids, and actually my parents went, Michelle and her kids went, Jill and her kids went. We, we do a lot of things like a clan. So we... We all go, and we're going to go camping. Now, Heather had never, her idea of camping was a hotel. Glamping. So, uh, with this one, I know there's going to be a tent. Where are we going to go to the bathroom? Well, there was a bathroom at the campground, just no showers. So, um, and it's a place we went when I was growing up as a kid. I hadn't been since I was like 14 years old. And so, I said, oh, it'll be fun. We're going to go back. And, uh, it was. And one of the things that we did uh, when I was a kid and we did with our kids is we would get in the creek and go tubing and try to swim in that cold when water. the water's really low, it's not really tubing. It's more like wading, which this, so, this time it was like that. So, um, and it was a good time. We're going out there and, and even as a kid, we had this, there was little areas and what we would do every year and our kids were the same is... When you're trying to go tubing, sometimes there are things in the way and you have to move. The, we, the bigger people will move the rocks so that the little kids could just keep right on cruising down. And I was the rock mover. I liked, so it. I liked it better when my dad was the rock mover for me when I was a kid. But, um, and, and there was even another area where the water would flow. And if nobody was tubing, we would put the rocks in front of that area and the water would, could get deeper for the kids to swim in. It could get about waist high there. And so we're doing all this stuff. And the funny thing was, is when I went back 16, 17, 18 years later, because I was in my 30s when we went back, nothing had really changed. And uh, everything looked kind of the same. And, and I was thinking about how now, that work that we did for a couple of days didn't change much, or one or two days. You can't stay in the water very long, so that little one hour worth of work, it didn't change a whole lot to the flow of that water. 
But what if for that, those 18, 19 years, what if I would have stayed there every day moving rocks? How could I have changed the flow of that water? The water would have still been coming from the top of the mountain. Things happen. You're not changing that. Things happen. Uh, but I could have redirected that flow from the right or to the left or any of those things if I, if I chose to. How much different would it have looked if I would have just started one rock at a time and stuck with it? Now, there's a lot of people who say, this is just how I am, or you just don't understand what I've been through. Now, that's fine, but it's been 20 years of you saying that, and you haven't moved any rocks. All the rocks of negativity are in the same place they were 20 years ago. I'm just asking you to move one, and then move another, and another. It, it, will, it begins to make a difference over time. You, when, I, when you move, move the first few rocks, you might not even notice a change at all. But if you will stick with it and trust God's process, it will make a difference. You can shift the flow of that riverbed of your life. And it's really incredible because the part that I loved about it so much, I, I think camping and stuff, is because, you know, there were all these stories that they would start telling about their childhood and, you know, like how it was when they went camping and everything. And so Aaron, it was because it was the first time for the kids, too. So Aaron would be pointing out stuff like that's where we did this and that's where we did that. And it was just I mean, because you you kind of see how things have gone through generation to generation. Like he was a kid in that same riverbed with his dad walking through the river, moving the, the rocks. I mean, just like he was doing for our kids. And so it just really it impacted me because you see what moving things does for generations. I mean, you think like, I'm, I've been doing this for so long. Is it really worth it? Is it worth it to try to change my thought life? Because it's hard, but it's worth it. Because that rock that you're moving, I mean, it's, I'm, I am now, so my son got engaged, you know, here recently. And I'm now thinking about future generations. I'm thinking about the fact that as I change my thought life, it's impacted my children. So what they teach my grandchildren, moving it one rock at a time, it's worth it. We just have to start doing it. Yeah, and that, the important thing to remember, too, is you're not alone. Because just like... I was helping the kids and dad helped me. It made a big difference when dad got in the water. We had to beg him because the water was so cold. But uh, he could move a lot bigger rocks than I could. And he could move them a lot faster. Things that the slow process we had as kids, when the father got in the water, it started getting, it, it started progressing a whole lot faster. And that's what Father God will do for each and every one of us when we'll trust Him and we'll trust His Word and we'll begin to implement those processes in our life. He comes alongside of us. Holy Spirit comes on, just like what she read from Ephesians. Holy Spirit comes on the scene and then things really begin moving the right way instead of just flowing with the way that circumstances tell us, tells us that it has to flow. So we want to encourage you to allow the Father Take a step toward what he's told you to do and allow him to come alongside you and partner with you and do amazing things so that you can walk in the freedom that he's provided and you can experience the victory that you've been destined for ever since you were in your mother's womb. Yeah, it's just so important in closing to, to realize 
Um, if, if forgiveness looks like the Father, we are his kids, so we're supposed to be encountering the Father all the time. No good parent doesn't ever show their face to their kid. Like, we should know what he looks like. The world doesn't need to know what unforgiveness looks like. They see it everywhere. But we are called to be children of forgiveness, people of hope, because we behold the Lord, his forgiveness to us, and that forgiveness should flow to others. And sometimes we... Have you ever prayed that, uh, Jesus, make me more like you? Lord, I want to be more like you, God. I want to be more like you. And we pray that, and we mean it, but really what we mean is, man, I want to do miracles. I want to be, I want to, you know, I want to heal the sick. I want to be able to speak with boldness. I want to be able to, all the amazing things we saw Jesus do. But if we really want to be like Jesus, we've got to forgive. I wonder how many times when you're praying that prayer and Jesus is saying, well, are you willing to forgive that person that's lying about you right now? Are you willing to just not defend yourself and not say, hey, that's not true what people are saying and just let them say it and treat them with kindness and love? Are you willing to, are you willing to let your name be drugged through the mud like mine was? Are you willing to be spat upon like I was? Really, do we really want to be like him like we say when we think about that? And I hope none of us have to go through any of those those things, but in some way, even if it doesn't actually happen in the physical, in some sense, you've got to, you're going to go through things where you have to be a person of forgiveness. And we truly believe that when you will do that, you're being as much like Jesus as you ever could. It's not always about being under the lights or having a lot of attention or people giving you big applause. It's about knowing that when you're being like your father. And I think that truly every person in here, I believe that's probably your greatest desire is just to be like him. I don't know anyone in here that's out for just self-promotion and self-gain or anything like that. You're some amazing people. So let's just, let's just keep going forward in that and begin to forgive in those situations and circumstances, even when it's hard, and to keep going towards the victory that he's promised each and every, every one of us. But Heather and I just want to pray over you, and uh, I, I'm not even going to ask because there's not a person in here that you don't have times in your life where you have to battle unforgiveness. And when when you're battling unforgiveness, there's no one in here that hasn't had a moment, hasn't had a time in your life where bitterness tried to set in and tried to take over your thought life and dig that riverbed and get things flowing the wrong way. And we just want so we just want to pray over everyone today that you just begin to move those those rocks. All right, so if you just bow your heads with us. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We just bless your name, God. We thank you for every person here, God. We thank you that we can have a good time in your house, God. Lord, we thank you that we can be fed by your word, Lord, and that it makes a difference. God, we believe in your word. We believe in your promises. And God, we want to be just like you. Lord, help us to be people of forgiveness. Help us to let those things pass through. We know we're going to face them, God. So we just ask that they pass through, Lord, and that we just begin to move those rocks one step at a time, God. That we begin to change the flow of years and years of, of unforgiveness. People just do crazy things, and sometimes people are just mean, God. But we want to just let those things go. We want to shift the flow in our lives and that it all leads to you. And so, God, we want to be people that forgive Lord, we want to walk in our destiny, and we are destined to win because we are victorious through Christ, and we are more than conquerors through Christ. 
And so, God, we just want to release that over every person. And, God, we just ask Holy Spirit to begin to heal those places of hurt, emotional wounds, and even unforgiveness and bitterness, God, the trauma caused by that. Lord, as we take the steps to let those things go and to move forward in grace and mercy, the same grace and mercy we want from you, God, help us to give it to others. And, Lord, we just thank you for the, for the testimonies of people seeing your face through our forgiveness God, of people seeing your goodness through the way that we respond to circumstances. And God, we just, we just thank you for every person here. We thank you for their heart, God. We thank you for their desire to go after you. And so, God, we just bless what you're doing in each individual. Lord, we give you the honor and we give you the glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.